This summer, Coors Light wants you to retire, even if it's only temporary. Take a break from your nine to five for nine holes of golf. Trade those spreadsheets for a bingo card. Or swap your office chair for a water aerobics floaty. This summer, welcome to temporary retirement. Coors Light, made to chill. Copyright 2023, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I was uh, agonizing a little bit last night over the plight of the Pac-2 conference. You know what I'm talking about? I was kind of agonizing over the report that I put out yesterday morning. I wrote at johnconzano.com that the Pac-2 had raced out of court and they were heading toward a plan. And I talked to you on yesterday's radio show, if you were here for it, about the two paths that I saw available to Oregon State. A, cobble together a 12-game schedule and try to sell it to a media partner. Or B, foster a scheduling partnership with the Mountain West Conference. And I told you I thought Plan B was more likely. And I wrote that yesterday morning. And then we had this interview on yesterday's show with Jonathan Smith, the Oregon State football coach. And Jonathan Smith, I asked him point blank, I said, you know... You don't have to tell me the plan, but give me a sense of how you're feeling about the plan. And he basically said that, you know, Tuesday was a big day to continue to put the put the season together. And he talked about a competitive schedule next year. He said, quote, it's not finalized yet, but the people we're talking to and the teams we're considering, I feel like that will be a competitive schedule. And then he went on to talk about the funding part, and he kind of framed it. You know, it wasn't a question. I could tell it wasn't a question he was totally comfortable answering on yesterday's show. But he also was kind of, you know, he was a little bit uh, noncommittal as it pertained to 2024. And it was really just kind of this, this uh, you know, 25, 30-second thing where, you know, he talked about his his feelings and – the schedule, and then we quickly got back to talking about the football game. And, you know, it was it was just kind of an interesting little glimpse into Jonathan Smith's thinking for 2024. So if you're an Oregon State fan, I think one of the things you have to be concerned about, even as you watch him coach this football game on Saturday against Washington, is you kind of are looking at this season and this schedule and you're going, hey, you know, it's bittersweet, right, if you're an Oregon State fan, because the Beavers are, you know, sitting at an 8-2 and two record. They are playing a top 10, top 5, really, team in the country, a 10-0 and undefeated Washington team. It's the biggest game in the country. Jonathan Smith's coaching in it, and the Beavers are a 2.5-point favorite now. That line is growing at home. And I'm seeing a lot of people going, hell, I can have an undefeated team and two and a half points and jumping on that. But I would caution you, uh, you know, I looked at the home 
favorites in the Pac-12 conference in the last uh, two years, 87-7 and home favorites, winning the game outright. And Oregon State is 10-0 and in the last two seasons as a home favorite. They do not lose as a home favorite. And I'm looking at Jonathan Smith, and I'm looking at Oregon State, and I'm looking at the plan for 2024, and I don't know if you read it today. Um, Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports had the report this morning that the Mountain West Conference is uh, proceeding and way down the line with the Pac-12 Conference, or the Pac-2, rather, talking about a scheduling partnership, scheduling alliance, where the Mountain West Conference teams will all play seven conference games, plus they will play either Oregon State or Washington State. It's a seven-plus-one scheduling model for the Mountain West Conference teams, and it it appears as though that's what's going to happen in 2024, that Oregon State and Washington State are very soon here in the next seven to 10 to 12 days going to announce, as I told you yesterday, that they're going to play a Mountain West Conference schedule in 2024. In addition to possibly picking up, like each of the schools may have the ability, because there's only um, eight conference games that they would be picking up from the Mountain West, it will leave them a game short. Everybody could pick up one more game. So it may leave Oregon State and Washington State with an additional Power 5 game, Power 4, whatever you want to call it, and a schedule that has a little bit of added oomph to it. But it you know, it appears that the games will be on Fox, the games will be on CBS, they'll play a Mountain West Conference schedule. And the thinking being they will not be eligible for a conference championship, but the thinking being that you know, if Oregon State and, or Washington State run the table against that Mountain West Conference schedule, that they would very likely be ranked in the top 12 in the country, as Oregon State is now in both the college football playoff rankings and the AP poll. And you would see that team get into the college football playoff. Now, yesterday I asked you, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? What should they do? Today I'm going to ask you, if you're Jonathan Smith and you are presumably heading into this weekend against Washington and then in the final week of the season against Oregon and you somehow come out of that 1-1 one and one or two and zero, oh, you have to think that Oregon State is going to be positioned to play in a big time bowl game, possibly compete for a conference championship if they go two and zero. Oh, the right things happen, and then you have to kind of worry if you're an Oregon State fan that you know if you're Jonathan Smith, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, yeah, I want to ride this out. This is on brand for me to uh, be part of a conference and part of a school that. Uh, you know, is playing basically as the Pac-2 conference, going to play without a conference in 2024, but play against the Mountain West Conference teams and try to get to the playoff and try to matter in that way? Or do you become a candidate to jump ship? Do you become a candidate to be coaching on another staff somewhere? Do you become, you know, the sweetheart pick of every school in America that's got an opening? 503-417-7575. I want your reaction to that. You know, what you think as as an onlooker. What should Jonathan Smith do? What should he be thinking about? And if you're an Oregon State fan, do you have mixed feelings about this weekend's game? Because, hell, I can tell you, if Jonathan Smith and Oregon State win that game and they set up a civil war for the ages, it's going to be hysteria in our state in a good way. It's going to set up a fantastic game. 
that will be the gateway to the Pac-12 championship, and it would probably ignite a lot of coaching rumors, vacancies, possible distractions. Uh, I think it's going to invite you know a whole bunch of speculation about what comes next. I obviously think it's good rather than bad if Oregon State wins that game, but I, I got to tell you that I was kind of just thinking today. I was thinking like, is there any way in hell? that Jonathan Smith and a whole bunch of recruits stick around at Oregon State if the plan is to play Mountain West Conference opponents in 2024? Or does Oregon State do something super proactive? Do they come to Jonathan Smith and go, look, we're going to overpay you. We're going to continue to pay you like you're a Power Four Conference coach. We are. Our plan really isn't relegation. It's a one- or two-year thing. You know, if you don't like what you see in two years, you know, we will drive you to the airport. But our plan is to try to rejoin the Power Four, get into the Big 12, get into the Big 10, do something, anything, after playing one or two seasons as a Pac-2 sort of, you know, semi-independent alongside Washington State. 503-417-7575 is the number we got a great show for you today. Anthony Gould will be joining us, Oregon State wide receiver. He will be with us. I talked with Kenny Dillingham earlier this morning for about 30 minutes, the Arizona State coach. He's got a game against Oregon. I'll play part of that interview. Plus, Dillingham had a little word for Dan Lanning. Those guys are buddies, and Dillingham essentially saying that he's got some tricks up his sleeve for Oregon this week. Kenny Dillingham, last week... You, Arizona State plays UCLA, and Dillingham runs the swinging gate for 18 plays on offense. After the game, everybody was raving about what a genius move it was. He had a tight end playing quarterback at one point. He had five different players lined up at the quarterback position. He's out there doing some very unorthodox things because they are all beat up, and he's basically saying, I'm not, I'm just, I have nothing to lose. I'm playing with house money this season. First-year coach. Nobody expects him to win. He goes out against UCLA. He runs that swinging gate for 18 plays. And after the game, he's asked about it because he wins 17-7. He's asked about it, and he says, hey, they have some absolute monsters on the defensive side of the ball. We figured by lining up in the swinging gate that there were 18 plays where those guys are going to have to be on the sideline because they were just spreading the field out and exploiting those guys in space. So Kenny Dillingham saying he's got something for Oregon this week. I'll let you hear it in his words coming up. Steven, your reaction to the report this morning. And i got to be honest with you, last night after Jonathan Smith's comments, I went, did I get it wrong? Like I was kind of reading too much into what he was saying. Turns out I was right. Oregon State looks like uh, Oregon State and Washington State are going to play a Mountain West Conference-flavored schedule in 2024. Yeah, I, I think if I'm Jonathan Smith, I'm willing to give the Oregon State Beavers the benefit of the doubt for at least another year. Because here's my thing, is now that it's the Pac-2, everything's not you know up to George Kalyovkov, and he has proven to be bad, right? And so I think right now, I think Jonathan Smith can trust Oregon State and what their what their thoughts are, what their views are, what they want to do down the road. He, he, he They've built that trust within him. So I think he... If I'm him, I'm willing to stay there for another year or two, like you said. And if it doesn't work, well, then I'd look to go somewhere else. 
because I do think he's going to be a hot name on the coaching carousel. Like, he is a really good coach, but he's still only 44 years old. Like, he's still a young coach in this business. He has it great down in Corvallis. He has that thing rolling. Uh, and you're right. Like, if you know, if they do this Mountain West schedule for a year or two, they're still going to win 9, 10 games, and they're going to be in the top 25, and they're still going to be you know at school that if a new conference is looking to add another team, they're going to be at the top of the list because they're going to be really good, and they have the coaching staff to go with it. So, if I'm Oregon State, I'm like I'm proactive, like you said. I, I reach out to Jonathan Smith. I try to give him as much money as I possibly can. I try to keep him in Corvallis, and then I try to go with that with that strategy because he's he's the reason why Oregon State is a Power Four team. It, it's not necessarily the players; it's him. We've seen the other coaches become or go to Oregon State, and it wasn't good. Jonathan Smith is a difference. So I, I think if I'm Jonathan, I can stick that out for another year or two. I'm still a young coach. I can figure it out. My value is not going to go down. Oregon State's not going to be a bad team if they're playing Mountain West teams. So his coaching value is not going to go down. I think you can trust Oregon State. Oregon State can trust him. I think it's a good situation. or you know, It's the best of a bad situation right now for both Oregon State and Jonathan Smith. But you got to keep him there. If you're the Beavs, yeah. you got to keep Jonathan Smith, Jonathan I'm Smith gonna there give no matter a, what. I'm probably going to come with a retention bonus for him. And I'm going to say, look, if you stick this out, you know, I'm going to give you – a lump sum payment of $500,000 in a year, every year that you stick it out in the next, we'll add this on as a kicker to your contract, because I think you've got to try to buy yourself a little bit more loyalty, and I think you have to sell them on the idea that, like, look, we all know that there's uncertainty here. Um, we do think that maybe um, maybe uh, if you stick with us here, the plan is to end up in a you know, back into a Power Four conference. Uh, we have a fundraiser continuing to go on today for the Bald Face Truth Foundation. For those of you who turned in yesterday, we've got all the great auction lots that are still online at bftauction.com. They will close here in less than two hours. I encourage you to get online, check out bftauction.com, or you can go to baldfacetruth.org and click through to the auction. If you'd like to sit courtside, in Blazers tickets, I'm talking courtside, row one, center court, Harvey Platt's tickets to a Blazer game this season. You can be the high bidder right now at $1,000 at bftauction.com. The Shoemill VIP experience is available. This is a great gift, guys, for her for Christmas. She gets to bring friends into the store, a private showing. Uh, she gets uh, a stipend to spend in the store that's part of the auction lot. They serve champagne and snacks, and it's just really a first-class thing that Shoemill does every year. They donate this thing, and somebody looks like a hero who ends up buying it and gifting it to their significant other. Go online, bftauction.com. It's one of those things that makes you look really good. Let the Shoemill shoe stores help make you look great, as they always do with the shoes on your feet. Uh, plus, uh, a Hillsboro Hops VIP first pitch adventure. You can throw out the first pitch to a professional baseball game. You and a bunch of friends get to go to the game, and somebody in your group gets to throw out the first pitch uh, at the game. Like, come on, really, this is uh, really cool stuff. So get online at bftauction.com. Of course, it all benefits the Bald Face Truth Foundation, which puts on Camp Exceptional, the summer camp for special needs and typical kids. It's a great summer camp, and it helps fund all of those grant requests that come in all year long from southwest Washington in the state of Oregon, uh, bftauction.com if you want to get involved. If you'd like to make a, a, a tax-deductible donation today, you can do so by just calling in. i got some volunteers who are waiting to uh, take your credit card numbers and take your donations and thank you for them. 
And the Shoe Mill Shoe Stores have also offered that if you're making a $50 donation, you get a $25 gift card back from Shoe Mill. So it's just a fist bump back from the family, the Hubbard family at Shoe Mill. For you uh, making a donation, they will give you a gift card. You can make those donations right now at 503-417-7575. And our, I got a call right now from Steve, who is with the Jamba family. And Steve would like to uh, offer, I believe, a match. Steve, you did this last year, and you've called back in. What do you got in store for us? Hey, John. It's good to talk to you. I, after going to uh, your camp, I'm hooked. It was a amazing day experience seeing the athletes and for even from the school. So I'm personally going to donate a thousand, and then on behalf of Jamba, I want to do a thousand dollar match for however you want to use it on next callers or minimum amounts. But uh, I, I'm a believer. Let's do that. Let's say that the the next thousand dollars that gets uh, donated today, uh, even fifty dollars at a time, twenty five dollars at a time, whatever people want to do, Steve at Jamba will match it. Steve, we really appreciate this. You did this last year. What about the camp? For people who haven't seen it, can you help explain what it is to listeners who have not seen Camp Exceptional? Oh, yeah, and I don't know if it's if I just got lucky to go out and, and witness it or people can go out, but it, it's, uh, it's an emotional experience because not only is it you and your family in very high touch and people that have done it forever, which was amazing, the athletes that are participating, like I was out there when the Portland State football team was there, and these these guys, you know, these athletes that are, you know, some of them huge, some of them, you know, receivers didn't matter. They're high touch, one on one. The encouragement they were giving every single athlete to learn flag football or just get back up or run a little faster. I mean, I, I literally was almost in tears the whole time I was out there because it, it made a difference. I'm like I said, now I'm I'm 100% a believer. You and your family are putting a lot of time into it, and you're changing lives, and that's what it's all about. Steve, I really appreciate you. Appreciate everything that you do for the community, and and thank you for that. Uh, Steve at Jamba, Steve at Jamba, there he is. Hey, you know, basically now, if you are making a donation today, we have Steve at Jamba saying he will match the first one thousand dollars given today on the show. You have Shoe Mill Shoe Stores saying, hey, they'll give you a twenty-five dollar gift card for every fifty dollars that you donate. Um, it, some real incentives out there, but the biggest incentive—it's what Steve's talking about. It's, it's just the ability to reach out and help kids that are in Southwest Washington, in the state of Oregon, in your neighborhood, in my neighborhood, in our backyards, and help these uh, help kids participate in drama programs, after-school programs, summer camps, musical instrument rentals, and often it's um, you know. It's really joyful for me. I've told you the stories over the years. I get a chance to, like, talk to some of the grant requesters. And one summer, there was a mother who wrote in and said, you know, she could only afford to send one of her two kids to camp that summer. And, the you know, the grant committee approved her grant. And I got to call her and say, hey, guess what? You know, both of your kids are going to camp. And she couldn't even get through the call. I mean, she was just weeping on the other end of the phone line. And... Yeah, I can tell you it means so much to so many people when we step up and you step up and I step up and the foundation steps up and we just do something nice uh, and, and give a little back. 503-417-7575 is a phone number if you want to make a donation. BFTauction.com if you want to bid on those auction items and please share them with friends and family.
All right, Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State coach. I spoke with him earlier today. I'll play a little bit of our interview. And he promised a little something-something for Dan Landing and the Ducks. Stick around. Here we are, week 12 of the Pac-12 season. Great games. Highlighted by Oregon State hosting Washington at Autzen Stadium. I think we have a number of great games this weekend. And we will get into those. We'll talk about our picks. I um, feel pretty good about my picks this week. I feel really good about the picks this week. But I also uh, had a chance to talk with Kenny Dillingham, the Arizona State coach. John Willner and I did an interview with him earlier today. And uh, I'm going to play this interview backwards. Not because it's like some record and there's like a satanic verse that will appear. I'm not talking about that kind of backwards. I'm talking about in an inverse order. Because Kenny Dillingham, as he went to hang up for the interview, dropped a little nugget. And, you know, I want to play this first. Stephen, are you ready for this? It's kind of interesting. Yeah, let's do this thing. Because, you know, he MacGyvered his game plan against Chip Kelly, and he's friends with Dan Lanning. And so I'm just going to say, here's John Wilner and I hanging up with Kenny Dillingham. This is what he said at the end of the interview. Okay, we went for like 30 minutes. I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all having me on. And, uh, you know, tune into the game. There'll be a lot of unique and fun things one more time. Mm. Piqued my interest now. All right. We're into it. Well, nice marketing. Build a teaser right there. <laughs> yeah. Right? Thanks, That's Kenny. That's what you guys do. I just flipped the script. Yeah. Onside <laughs> kick, the opening kickoff. How about that? <laughs> I couldn't tell Dan if I was, but maybe we will. There you go. Kenny Dillingham, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Kenny. <laughs> thank you. Have a great day. All right. Take he care. said you unique and interesting things what's he gonna do what's he gonna do to oregon is he gonna do is he gonna run the swinging gate like 20 times is he gonna run the single wing i i don't know what he's gonna do fascinated by this i think there's a real chance that kenny dillingham goes to hell with it uh you know my only chance to win this game is to kind of muddy it up ugly it up uh we talked at length about the game this weekend his coaching style. I asked him at, about Bo Nix at one point. I want you to hear a chunk of the interview with Kenny Dillingham. And, I, you know, what I will give you is I'm just going to give you, like, maybe a, I'll, I'll interrupt it because I have thoughts about it, but I'm just going to play a little snippet of uh, our interview with Kenny Dillingham. You're gonna, this, this portion of the interview starts with uh, John Wilner asking him about sort of the, uh, the influences and Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning on his on his coaching style. I, I can't help but think when you use the word process, right? I mean, you you work for Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning works for Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. Smart also obviously works from Saban, and you hear Saban talking so much about the process in Tuscaloosa. Is there is there a part of what you are doing with your process that that? looks like what what's going on in in athens and, and tuscaloosa you think i've never been there but there is a part of us that looks like you know what dan brought to oregon which obviously has some flair of that and then i would say more a bigger piece of what we look like is florida state i would say you know there's about 30 40 percent florida state 20 percent oregon and 40 percent just me and my personality and what i know fits me in the culture that i want in the process that i want uh, to be a part of here. Uh, so I would say it's a mix, a mix of all three. 
Uh, but I don't care what program you're at. I don't care what you're doing. If you're so focused on the result and not focused on how to become the best version of yourself, the process that gets you there, then you're never going to hit the, re- the result that you could hit. And I think that is literally, I, ta- I tell them all the time, is if you're worried about what somebody tweets about you, then you're going to live a long, miserable life filled with highs and lows. And the only things that should matter to you are that the people around you that you care about respect you, know that you're going to give it your all, and that the opinions of the people that you're around every day are what you want them to be. The opinions of people that you don't know shouldn't matter. So block it out. And do the people in this room trust you? Do they believe in you? Do they have a passion about you? Do they know that you're a worker? Do they know that you compete? Do they look at you and say, dang, that's my teammate. That's my guy. Or do they look at you and say, ah, he's halfway in. And we're trying to get rid of all the people that people say, ah, he's halfway in. This season has been really interesting. It's been fun to watch you. It was fun to watch you at Oregon. I mean, you always did some things that were outside the box. And But this season, you know, you're playing tight end. You're playing a running back at quarterback. You're running the swing and gate for 18 plays. Do you, you know, a lot of coaches wouldn't do that stuff. What is it about you and your your path to where you are that has you painting out lines a little bit? I've never cared what people thought about me. So I don't care what people think, if it's gimmicky or what people's opinions are. I am going to put our players in the best position to be successful. And if I think not blocking the arguably one of the best defensive lines in college football, the most disruptive statistically defensive line in college football, if I decide that not blocking those guys for 18 plays is going to give us the best chance to win, then I'm going to think I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to be scared to do it because it's not normal or I'm scared that if it doesn't work, I'm going to get backlash. I've never lived through fear. I don't look at something and say, oh, what's the worst that can happen? I say, okay, what is the best that can happen? And what's the risk, obviously, of it? And if there's higher reward and low risk, then why not take a chance even if it's even if it's a little unique? So uh, I'm always going to put our players in the best position that I believe to make them successful, whether it's conventional or unconventional. What would you say happened? What what sideline or which side of the stadium do you sit on if Oregon is playing Florida State in a playoff game, Kenny? I'm wearing a jersey that says Bo Travis. <laughs> so that's what I'm wearing, or Travis Nix, one of those things. So uh, and I'll be rooting for offense in that game. Uh, I'll be rooting for a hundred to ninety-nine score. If that happens, but I will be at that game. You best believe I will be at that football game. If those two guys are uh, playing each other and I sound so happy for both those guys. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to watch. Give me an idea with Bo Nix. You, you, when, you know, you, when he walks in the door from Auburn and he comes to Oregon, what were you working with? What did you have to focus on first with Bo to get him right? Uh, protections. You know, we spent a lot of time on uh, pass protections and how to protect yourself and how to not have to run around and how to get the ball out quick. He's such a good athlete that teams are always going to be scared of his athleticism and his talent, but if people could be scared of his ability to get the ball out and they couldn't blitz him and you have to form in rush, that's when Bo is scary because you can't sack him with four people. And you have to have an elite level of work ethic and intelligence in order to master protections and get the ball out fast. And that was really my entire goal 
that first year with him was you don't always have to make the big play and let's master protections and let's have you be the most comfortable quarterback in the country that gets the ball out fast than anybody in the country. And then the Bo Nix plays will be hap- will happen naturally because you're a special football player. Do you see where do you see year over year improvement from Bo? If anything, I mean, do you see him as the same same guy or better version of himself compared to last year? I think he just continued to build on last year. He's he's a more he was always confident, but I think he's doing the same process process again in terms of being in control of the offense, changing pros, getting into the correct plays. So I think anytime that you repeat a process, you're better the second time. So I think the fact that he is, I think uh, Coach Stein is doing a phenomenal job uh, playing to Bo's strengths and letting Bo Bo play free enough to still have that confidence and that on the field every time he takes a snap. And uh, I just see him a more confident version and uh, of what he was last year. And then obviously you get a lot of the wideouts back. So you're better timing, better communication. He has his brother now uh, playing in the slot on option routes. So they obviously have a connection. So I think you combine his growth and his just another year into it with the talent around him. uh, And it's a very, very good combination for them. What has it been like for you this season? You you know, you're an offensive guy. You you go from Bo Nix to – you know, a lot of injuries, and you're having to MacGyver it right now with your guys at that position. What what has that been like for you as a play caller? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's exciting. I mean, it's I shouldn't say the word exciting. It's uh, it puts it puts a lot of onus on you to really be creative and not just be stuck in your ways. Not just say this is what I do offensively, so we're going to do it. Uh, and try to think outside the box and, and try, I mean, we have seven healthy scholarship O-linemen right now. we got one back, which is, you know, that's nine less than you should and 10 less than a lot of teams have. And it's, okay, well, we still have to go play a football game. So what can we do to still put us in the best position to win, to play complimentary football? My entire career has been about scoring, scoring, how quickly can we score? If you look at our box scores now, we haven't really been scoring at a high rate, but our times of possession have been 36, 37. And I know that's a dying stat, but when you when you keep the ball away from the offense, it keeps your defense fresh. When you're playing good defense like we are, we have to play complimentary football. So it's more about getting first downs than touchdowns right now and, and uh, hope that you get points when you uh, move the ball productively. I really liked that interview with Kenny Dillingham. He's full of uh, energy and enthusiasm, obviously, for what he's doing. But they have their work cut out for them. Oregon can clinch a spot in the Pac-12 championship game by beating Arizona State as long as Washington and Utah both win their games. So the Ducks... Still in control of their destiny, obviously sitting in the sixth spot, playing for a lot nationally and within the conference. I expect Oregon's going to show up to play. Um, But, you know, the swinging gate last week for Arizona State caused UCLA all sorts of problems. And so I am eager to see what Arizona State does against the Ducks, but the Ducks are 23.5-point favorites on the road. And I'm having a hard time seeing them cover that number 
against an Arizona State team that has played Washington close, USC closer than anybody expected, and beat UCLA. Steven, Arizona State a 23.5-point home dog. What's the play there? I think for me, it's it's Oregon or nothing for me, John. Like I, I get that Arizona State has been in a couple of these games, but they're coming off a of, you know a game where they you know they beat UCLA, but then before that they played Utah and got absolutely dominated in that game. Um, you look at that Washington game; it, it's noted that Michael Penix wasn't himself that game, whether he was sick or he was injured. They didn't score an offensive touchdown. I I, don't, I just don't think that that you know I think that had a lot to play with it. And the way USC has been this season, they played close with a lot of teams. So I just think Oregon is going to outmatch Arizona State and out-talent them. And the the gimmicky stuff, yeah, it can work against you know average teams or to you know a little above average teams. But Oregon's elite, and I don't think it's going to surprise Dan Lanning in the slightest. So I think you know Arizona State's going to run some fun plays. They may have a couple plays that work, but I just don't think on the other side they'll be able to stop that Oregon offense with Bo, with Bo Nix and how efficient he is uh, getting the ball out to his receivers. Here's a question I have: I don't see Dan Lanning interested in embarrassing Kenny Dillingham. And I think the loss, the the Utah loss, was an embarrassing loss for Arizona State. But other than that, Arizona State's been in games. Is there a gentleman's agreement in this game? If you're Dan Lanning, do you you run the ball a little more? Do you let time off the clock? Do you slow this game down a little bit so that you don't beat Arizona State 62-14? And you beat them 35-14 instead. I mean, that's a possibility, right? And I, I think that's that's a good thought by you because they are friends and they do respect each other. And I think, you know, what Kenny Dillingham is, he's not going to give up, right? Like, he's going to fight to the very end. And I think Dan Lanning knows that. And he wants to, you know, he wants Kenny to be as successful as he possibly can. So I think that it could be possible. But I also think it could also be where, you know, Oregon gets into the 40s. Uh, and I still don't think that's like an embarrassing thing. It's just like, yeah, a lot of teams have given up 40 to Oregon. So I, I'm with you. Like that's a, it's a great thought, and it may come out to be true where you know Oregon takes its foot off the pedal and they get ready for next week against Oregon State because that's the one that really matters, right? Like I don't expect Arizona State to win. You're really looking forward to that Oregon, Oregon State game, kind of get in, get out, get the win. So you could be right on that. I just, I just don't see it. I just think the offense on Oregon is just too efficient, and they're going to get points. Uh, no, no matter what. Oregon's burned me a couple times with the backdoor cover. They did against Washington State, gave the late touchdown. They uh, they have a propensity at the end of games, see the USC game, to sort of uh, relax a little bit. I wonder if Arizona State in 23-and-a-half is the right play. Uh, good stuff from Kenny Dillingham. Love what he had to say about Bo Nix and that little tidbit as we were hanging up. I want to play it again. We're hanging up with Dillingham, to, and you want to hear that full podcast, uh, I'm going to tweet it out in a little bit, but... We, we're hanging up, and, and he says this. I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all having me on. And, uh, you yeah, tune into the game. There'll be a lot of unique and fun things one more time. Mm. Piqued my interest now. All right. We're into it. Like nice you, marketing. You a teaser right there. <laughs> yeah. That's Thanks, Kenny. That's what you guys don't really do. I just flipped the script. Yeah. Onside <laughs> kick, the opening kickoff. How about that? <laughs> I couldn't tell Dan if I was, but maybe we will. There you go. Kenny Dillingham, thank you. Thank you so much, Kenny. (laughs) Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Take care. Unique and fun things one more time. Kenny Dillingham calling his shot there. Leave it here. Our big splash still ahead. BFTauction.com is the website where you can go and you can place bids on a bunch of VIP once-in-a-lifetime experiences 
that uh, and some cool auction lots that involve fishing trips. You can go on a guided fishing trip, and Grant McComey, uh, KGW, Grant's Getaways, offering an auction lot to be on an episode of Grant's Getaways on KGW. That would make a great gift for somebody. Uh, also, Blazers Courtside Tickets. That is Courtside Center Court Row 1. Harvey Platt, season ticket holder since the inaugural season of the Trailblazers, has donated a game of your choice, a mutually agreed-upon game. Go see the Blazers, sit in courtside seats, and you can bid on that auction item, and you can pick the game, negotiate that with Harvey. He's very reasonable. He usually asks you for three choices, and then he uh, says, okay, that sounds good. So if you want to see Wemby, uh, maybe you pitch him a, a San Antonio Spurs game, or you want to see the Lakers, or you want to see who? The Milwaukee Bucks? Uh, you can go ahead and uh, and uh, you know bid on that auction item. It's a game of your choice, mutually agreed upon with Harvey Platt. He's uh, generous with his season tickets every year. We turn that into field trips for kids. It all benefits the Bald Face Truth Foundation, which helps kids in our community. If you call in on today's show, your uh, your donation will be matched by Jamba. Steve from Jamba called in and offered a match. We also have an additional match of $5,000 from Biologic Resources. So I want to thank uh, the team there at Biologic Resources. So your donations today are tripled when you call in. So don't think that, you know, you're you're uh, not, you know, I, I, I can only give $25 or $50 or whatever's in your budget, and don't think that you're not making an impact because often the grant requests are smaller in nature. I think two years ago, the grant request, the average grant request was $78. And for that, you can make a difference. You can put uh, pay a participation fee in sports. You can help send a class on a field trip. You can put a musical instrument in the hands of a kid who wouldn't otherwise have it. And you can really make a difference. And you can make those donations today by calling in at 503-417-7575. We also have uh, Blazers tickets. Section 112, Row P. Section 112, Row P. So it's Center Court at uh, Moda Center in Row P. We have uh, a pair of tickets to the March 23rd game, Denver Nuggets Trailblazers. And we are looking for a $400 donation. First person who calls in at 503-417-7575 and donates 400 bucks. Gets the pair of tickets to the Nuggets-Blazers game on March the 23rd. The Nuggets are pretty good. Steven, the Nuggets pretty good, huh? Nuggets are, uh, yeah, you could say that. NBA champions, uh, Nikola Jokic, two-time MVP, finals MVP. I mean, he. the thing about Jokic is he's such a unique player, John, and to watch him in person would be just crazy because he, he doesn't move fast, he doesn't jump high, but he controls the entire game. And, and being that close would be so much fun to watch. Yeah, and I think for people who uh, are interested in that, you make a donation, you feel good, you're basically sending a classroom and a grade on a field trip, and you're getting to go to a Blazer game. So 503-417-7575 is the phone number. First donor to give $400 gets the Nuggets Blazers tickets. Mark is in Portland. He's holding. Mark, what's on your mind? Hey, not a lot. I I'm, uh Really love the charity and what what you're doing with the, for the kids and stuff. All all these kids should have a chance in sports and any activities, music. All my brothers and sisters are uh, musical uh, superstars in high school, so I think that it teaches 
kids a lot of things and those things it's good for their the rest of their life but i uh shook down the tree and called my uh pacific office automation which was going to match your first call today for a thousand but he'll just donate a thousand (laughs) that's awesome thank you man that's your that's your brother you called your brother and you and you said to him hey (laughs) do the do something nice yeah i love that yeah they he paid attention in high school you know doug was uh he was paper boy of the year, and, you know, I was throwing the inserts away before I delivered the papers. So, yeah. Um, I also want to talk about Jonathan Smith. I, I think it's important for the everybody, uh, even, you know, me as a Duck fan, I, he's produced the best year at Oregon State on the field that I've ever seen. And in a playoff format, it's I know we're, we're upset about the Pac-12 dissolving, but I'm so happy about next year with 12 teams getting in. I think uh, the, the first thing they should do if they go to the Mountain West, John, the Mountain West Conference used to be, they used to win BCS games. You know, Utah beat Alabama out of the Mountain West Conference. Utah beat, uh, they won their bowl game in 2004 with Urban Myers. Uh, you know, TCU beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. So the Mountain West used to be a pretty darn good conference, heads up with the power five conferences so the biggest thing i think they need to get is is a guaranteed uh, automatic bid so because i think that would help with recruiting uh you know if we go you know if i go to oregon state and and we win the mountain west conference we're in the playoff we control our own destiny i think that would be a huge selling point and i think uh people the donors there i would think you know, just a lot of people would want to keep him in state. I remember what, you know, Phil Knight did when the baseball coach from Oregon State was talking about leaving. So, um, Jonathan Smith's not just good for, you know, Beaver fans. He's good for the whole state. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a good yeah. point. It's a good point. I'm going to put you on hold so uh, we can get some information on the donation. I want to thank Pacific Office Automation for offering that. They're helping kids. And thank you, Mark, for uh, shaking down your brother. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold there. Um, for those of you who want to make donations, 503-417-7575 is a phone number. Our volunteers can can uh, take those donations via phone. You can also go online to baldfacetruth.org if you prefer to do that yourself uh, securely with the website, and uh, you can make a donation online as well. Um, it's really interesting when you talk about coaches potentially leaving. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this in the last couple of weeks. Think about the history in our state with coaches who have left to go to other places. And I'll go way back. I'll go to even coaches who have left, you know, to go to, uh, you know, let's let's just start with Willie Taggart, Chip Kelly. How about um, Mario Cristobal? How about Mike Riley? How about Dennis Erickson? Has it ever worked out? For a coach to leave either Oregon or Oregon State, has anybody gone on to clearly say, that was better? That was a better move for me. And, you know, I'm looking back at the history of, in our state, and I don't see a lot of success stories for coaches who have left Oregon or Oregon State and gone on to had, you know, a, a wonderful move. That was a great career move. I'm not talking about coordinators who have left. I'm not talking about assistant coaches like, you know, Chris Peterson. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, Andy Ludwig being a coordinator at Oregon and 
going on to be a coordinator somewhere else. I'm talking about head coaches who have left Oregon and Oregon State. I cannot find a success story of a coach who said, I'm better off somewhere else, and then left, and then everybody going, yeah, he was right. That was a good move. Chip Kelly to the NFL, you could argue it was the NFL. And that was, you know, that's all right. And that he, he felt like he needed to do that. And that's fine. We all understand it. But it wasn't successful. You know, moderate, moderate, mild success in Philadelphia before getting fired. And then a horrendous run with the 49ers. And then back into college athletics and a mixed bag at UCLA. And he goes into this weekend's game at UCLA. He's 33-33. and 33, And he's facing a lot of whispers about his job. It hasn't gone well for Chip Kelly after Oregon. People say, oh, he can never go home again. Well, maybe he shouldn't have left home. I don't know. Like, you know, he probably would have always wondered what could have been. But I understand it. He had ambition, and he made a pile of money. Okay, I get it. But, all right, let's look at Mike Riley. He leaves Oregon State after going 5-6 and six in his first tenure, and he goes to the NFL, and he gets fired. And, and, his, and his successor at Oregon State takes Oregon State to a Fiesta Bowl and then says, oh, I'm going to go to the NFL. Doesn't work out for him there. And, you know, it, you, you look at Willie Taggart, goes to Florida State, he got paid, he went home, he got fired. Mario Cristobal, he went home, he got paid, eh, kind of a mixed bag. Um, I'm looking for success stories. I don't see them. And I'm not saying it should take all of your ambition away. Jonathan Smith's got ambition, but it should give you a little bit of pause if you're Jonathan Smith or if you are Dan Lanning, who certainly shot holes in the rumors about you know Texas A&M this week. I'm just saying, I haven't yet found a success story in our state where somebody who left and everybody went, oh, that was a hell of a career move. Uh, it just doesn't happen around here. Anthony Gold's coming up, Oregon Statewide Receiver. If you'd like to make a donation to the Bald Face Truth Foundation, if you call in now and make a $50 donation, the Shoe Mill Shoe Stores are going to send you a $25 gift card. 503-417-7575. I've been in this state covering sports probably almost as long as Anthony Gold has been alive. It's kind of scary. And I can't think of uh, a bigger football game that has been held at Research Stadium. I mean, there were some big games, but this one is huge Saturday. Washington, undefeated, coming to Racer Stadium. A lot of talk on yesterday's show and the day before from our Husky guests about how uh, confident they are. Almost dismissive of Oregon State. You know, oh yeah, good, good little story type feel to the conversations. wonder how Oregon State feels about that. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I'm picking the Beavers. I think they're going to win. We'll talk more about that later. I'll build my case for it. But our uh, next guest will be on the field. Anthony Gold, wide receiver at Oregon State. He joins us every week courtesy of Jamba. Life is better blended. Anthony Gold, is better in uniform. How are you, man? How old are you, by the way? I'm, yeah, give us give us an idea. How old are you? I'm 22. Okay, you were you were like probably 18 months old when I came to the state of Oregon, 
and uh, started covering sports. So it wasn't your whole life, but, you know, right in there. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, you heard me. You know, there's a little bit of, you know, Washington kind of looking down their nose at Oregon State this week. And you guys have mo- you've been all business at home, especially. Um, how prepared are you guys? How do you feel about the game uh, right now on a Thursday? Oh yeah, you know we're all excited. You know, uh, you know just the implications of this game. Um, but you know, you also you, you get to play a, a good team. You know, a top five team in the country. So um, it's always exciting whenever you get to play on a big stage like that. Um, but yeah, no, we've we've had a good week of practice, and you know, guys are ready to uh, ready to fly around on Saturday and um, you know compete at a high level. And you know, I think it'll be a great game. Give me an idea when you say good week of practice. What makes a good week of practice? Oh, yeah, you know, just, you know, energy, uh, execution, um, you know, tempo, you know, just, um, you know, not taking uh, plays off um, throughout practice, you know, going uh, through every rep like it's a game rep, um, and just, you know, trying to really lock in on the detail and uh, the focus of, you know, everything you're doing um, game plan-wise. So um, that's what that's what it really is, you know, good week of practice. Um, you know, guys are out there flying around, um, you know, excited to play um, and – you know, that's a, that's a good thing to see whenever you have a good opponent coming in. What do you see on film? Let's talk about their defense, their secondary in particular. Um, I've, I've seen them play a little bit, but what do you see on film? Oh, yeah, you know, they're, they got a good defense. Um, you know, they got a good front seven. Um, back in, too. Um, you know, they, they try, and, try and be physical. Um, you know, like like every week, though. Um, you know, they got some good cover players, so... Uh, yeah, I know. You know, I think it'll be a, a good test for us. But, um, you know, like I said, you you hope to play these, in, in these type of games and uh, against these type of opponents. So, uh, you know, we're ready and, um, you know, we're, we're excited to go out there and, and compete and perform on, on the national stage. Anthony Gold is with us. The game uh, will be on ABC. Uh, there'll be a lot of attention on it, a lot of eyeballs from around the country checking out uh, Oregon State football final home game of the season. Anthony, i got to ask you, you know, the final Pac-12 game as we know it, uh, it will be taking place at, at Racer Stadium on Saturday. Does that factor in your mind at all in this, or is it more just about the opponent, the stage, the moment? Honestly, yeah, no, I, I mean, um, you're not really thinking too much about that, you know, and I think that's something, you know, we'll probably look back at the, you know, the end of the season, like, you know, that was a, that was a cool opportunity to you know be a part of, um, but yeah you know honestly I haven't even really thought about it much as um, you know until we talk about it right now. Um, just been focusing on game plan, you know um, how we're gonna go out there and execute and you know be able to uh, go out there and win. So that's kind of what the, the focus has been on. But um, you know definitely it'll probably kick in um, you know after the game. I you know I, I always hear athletes that are playing in big games say that you know you block out the crowd you don't hear it but in the run-up to the game is your phone a little busier than a normal week friends you know social media do you notice a little extra buzz oh yeah yeah not a little bit but you know um you don't really pay attention to that stuff um you know there's going to be people um saying things whether we're playing washington or you know stanford you know it's People are going to be saying stuff regardless, and, you know, so you got to kind of got to just, you know, stay away from all that, not really pay too much attention to any of the articles or any stuff like that. So, um, 
you know, we, we try not to focus on, on that type of stuff because, you know, we want to focus on what matters. And um, ultimately what matters is winning at the end of the day. So uh, doing whatever we can to win. And, you know, that's, that's the main focus uh, as a program is what we're on. Anthony Gold joins us every Thursday, part of the Jamba interview that we do every season. Damian Martinez, he's over 1,000 yards. He's a fantastic back. So is Deshaun Fenwick. But give me an idea. You, you're in the huddle with those two guys. What are, how different are they? What are they like? We don't get a chance really to learn much about them. So give us a – let's start with Damian. What, what's his personality like? What's he like, you know, to be a teammate? Oh, yeah, you know, he's a great, great, uh, great teammate. Um, you know, laid back chill guy um you know doesn't really doesn't really talk much but um you know cool cool as all can be you know him and him and fan fans a little bit more talkative but um yeah you know both those guys you know awesome teammates um you know really you know around the game you know there's guys that kind of you know out there you know joking around and um but you know those those are two awesome guys pretty 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 similar besides you know uh Dame doesn't really talk talk too much, so um, yeah, you know, two awesome teammates, two awesome guys. Um, I'm surprised you guys don't don't know too much of, about those two, especially yeah. after last week. <laughs> yeah, we get to see them play, but it's like in the post game, you know, they don't always come into the post game. So you know, I, the, I think the last time I was in there was the Colorado game, and it was like you know there's some defensive guys in there because it was such a good defensive game and. Um, you know, the guy who impresses me is Fenwick has, catching the ball. Like he's sneaky mm-hmm. good in space and adjusting to to the ball. He can, he's got good hands. Oh yeah, you know I I joke around with him all the time. Like man, you a running back, you a wideout. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know he has he has great hands for a back. Um, you know, great hands in general. You know, I think uh, the Colorado game really really showed that as well. Uh, DJ threw a strike in there, and you know that, that's not an easy catch. You know, he he's not making those all the time, you know. So um, he went out there, made the play. But, you know, he does that stuff at practice all the time, too. So, um, you know, to us, that's, that's kind of, you know, it's regular for him. But, um, yeah, you know, he, he's versatile, and that's what I think makes him so explosive as a bag. Weather forecast could include a little bit of uh, precipitation. How does that uh, I- impact your offense? Uh, do you like playing in the rain? Feels like it's an advantage to you guys if it's a little wet out there. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's pretty. It sprinkles on and off. Um, you know, I, this year hasn't been too bad, but you know, we're we're all used to that. Um, you know, I'm sure those guys up there are used to it too. Um, um, so you know, d- definitely, you know, playing in the rain is not you know as as great as playing in in sunshine or 90 degree weather, but. Uh, you know, you, you don't really focus on that when it's uh, coming down to the to the game. And, um, you know, the game's got to be played no matter what. So, you know, we always tell ourselves to own the elements. And, uh, you know, you can't control it, but, you know, you can control your effort and attitude. So, um, yeah, not, whether it's, you know, snowing, raining, sunshine, you know, we're all going to go out there and compete, and um, it should be a great game this weekend. Anthony, I, we had Jonathan Smith, your coach, on yesterday. He wasn't uptight. He just seemed kind of loose. He's, you know, he very steady. And it, often, you know, somebody told me you can't tell after the game whether Oregon State won or lost based on Jonathan Smith's expression. I'm sure you can get it in the locker room or in practice. But what is it to have a guy who's that steady and that calm around on game day? Yeah, I mean, he's like that, you know, all the all the time. I wouldn't say all the time, but you know, 
uh, a lot of the times, you know, he's um, kind of that way. Um, but I mean, everyone's everyone's used to it, you know. It's it's not like uh, uh, you know he throws anyone off guard, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, having someone like that, you know, doesn't really show too much emotion. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's great for us. Um, you know, he keeps it cool, keeps it steady. You know, doesn't matter. Things are going good. Things are going bad. Um, he, he's going to be looking the same. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's good for us. You know, it kind of keeps everyone level-headed. Um, but yeah, you know, that's just the the guy coach myth is. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a great coach. Love him to death. Uh, but you know, that's just that's just how he is. <laughs> Anthony Gold is with us. Saturday, four thirty. That's that's not a seven thirty. I like that. You get a nice day kickoff. Um, give me an idea of how. What's a Friday like? You know, when you guys have a home game. Oh yeah, so you know we will wake up, go to practice, um, go practice. Uh, then you got to pretty much the rest of the day. You know, just get everything tied up, whether it's school, you know, seeing family, um, packing. Um, get a, get some time to do that, and then we'll go back up, have some walkthrough. Uh, meetings, um, dinner, and then you go to the hotel at nighttime and then sleep there and wake up, and then it's t- more breakfast, meetings, a walkthrough, and then you're at the game. So um, it's fast. You know, it's not too bad. Anthony, I, I appreciate you being with us throughout the season. We're going to talk to you again next week. Good luck to you at the game. Uh, always love seeing you warm up and and uh, run around and do your thing on the field. And I think our listeners have had a chance this season to get to know you a little bit. So thanks for or, for always doing that and making time for us. Oh, yeah, no problem. I appreciate you too, John. All right, there he goes, Anthony Gold, 22 years old. Um, You forget, you forget how young these guys are on the field. Aiden Childs running around out there, he's 18. Uh, Beavers hosting the Huskies on Saturday in Corvallis. Steven, let's just talk about that game. We'll get into all of our picks later in the show. But um, I really like Oregon State as a home favorite in this game to, uh, to win the game. I, I, I can't tell you exactly what it is. Maybe it's a little Jonathan Smith. He is so good in these games. Maybe it's a little bit of Oregon State's home field. I've had I, Caleb Williams talked about this last year. There's a there's a little bit for uh, for an opposing team that comes into Oregon State. It's a little bit of a crown on the field, and Caleb Williams mentioned it to me at media day that you know it's a little bit of a crown on the field. He didn't know if it was great for a passer necessarily, but they're just a better team at home. Michael Penix Jr. is going to have to come in and carry them, and I think the Beavers will run the ball. I think they will control the line of scrimmage. And I think it's going to be a very close game. I picked it like 34-31, that kind of game. But I picked the Beavers at home. I'm not picking against them in that place. Yeah, I mean, how can you at this point, just the way that they've played the last you know three seasons there at Research Stadium, now that they have you know the full capacity there, the renovations, it's just a tough place to play. And you're right about the Oregon State rushing game. I think for Oregon State, if they can run the football, which they have all season long, I believe they're ninth in the nation, You know, one of the best in the Pac-12, like, Washington's going to have a hard time 
stopping that run and then getting their offense on the field. That That's their strength is when Michael Penix Jr. has the ball and he's throwing it out to all those wide receivers. That's the Washington strength. And if Oregon State can run that football and take some time off the clock, it's just going to put a lot more pressure on Michael Penix Jr. to score every single time he has the football. And I think you know when you have to do that on the road, it's going to be really tough. So I'm with you right now. I, I think I like the Beavs. If it gets up to three, though, three-point favorites for the Oregon State Beavers, I might have a little trouble taking it like because yeah. it's going to be a close game. That's the thing. Like I don't see Oregon State blowing out Washington. I don't see Washington blowing at Oregon State. It's going to come down to what seems like you know one, maybe two possessions at the most. So if it gets to three, it may be a different story. But I, I think Oregon State deserves to be the favorites right now uh, just with the way that they've played at home on the road. And they are a different team at home. They just are, defensively especially. Defensively, they have been really good at home on the road. They've struggled, but this game's at Richie Stadium. I imagine their defense shows up to play. I'm going to look at the crown of the field. I hadn't I hadn't thought of it from a passing perspective, but I went back and I was looking at my notes from Pac-12 Media Day, and I was asking, you know, Michael Penix Jr. and, uh, and Caleb Williams and Cam Ward and Cam Rising why they thought Reeser Stadium was such an advantage. And something jumped out at me in my notes that Caleb Williams had mentioned the field. He said they have a crown on the field that, you know, from a passing perspective, if you're throwing the ball across the field, you know, it's let's say you're dropping back in a five-step drop and you're throwing an 18-yard out, is there a little bit of a crown there that takes some getting used to? Is it a downhill throw? from certain parts of the field. I don't know. And so I hadn't really considered that or what an advantage that might be. Um, but here's some numbers. Since 2022, just this season and last season, home favorites are 86-7, and winning the games outright. The Beavers are 10-0 and when favored and playing at home. This is the last Pac-12 game as we know it at Racer Stadium. It'll be a standing room only crowd. It's just the most Pac-12 thing ever that Oregon State is going to knock out the undefeated 10-0, and number five ranked Washington Huskies at Research Stadium. And you're right about the points. I have it 34-31. Oregon State now a two-and-a-half point favorite. They opened as a two-and-a-half point, three-point underdog. It's a five points, you know, six-point swing in the, in the spread. And so I don't blame people if you take Washington in two and a half. You're getting the number 10 team in the country. Excuse me, number five team in the country against number 11. And you're getting two and a half? Like, you would probably take that. John Wilner today told me he likes the Huskies and the points, but he thinks it's a pick em. And I think I, I think I like Oregon State at home. I'm just – those numbers, Stephen, I can't ignore the numbers. I mean, that, that those numbers are staggering to think about. Like, if you are a home favorite, you are winning, you know – 85 percent 90 percent of the time like it is it is amazing and the fact that oregon state is a favorite over the number five team in the nation at home that shows where this program is and what jonathan smith has done like he, he said it yesterday on the show john like this is why he went to oregon state he's expected to play in these big type of games and this might be the biggest so far in his tenure and then next week it'll be even bigger against oregon like this is what they went there for so i i think you know, DJ's been playing well. If they throw Aiden Childs out there, it'll throw a different, you know, different uh, wrinkle to the whole situation. They got the running backs. Anthony Gould, he's got the return game, the receiving game. Like Oregon State's offense has played a lot better as of late. And you know, I had been questioning that side of the football all season long, but they're a lot more consistent now. I think it's all going to come down to how many big plays they can really stop of Washington, because you know Washington's going to score. Like Penix is healthy. It seems like that offense is rolling again. That offense is going to score. But can the Beavers get a couple plays where you know they knock down a pass or they force a punt somewhere? 
I think that they can with that with that crowd behind their back. And like you said, last Pac-12 game in the history of Reese Stadium, man, the, the emotions from the crowd are going to be felt through the TV and especially on that field. Look, I I understand that the weakness of Oregon State is the secondary on defense. And the strength of Washington is the pass game. That, that, that's going to cause a problem at some point of the game for Oregon State. It's why yesterday when we had Jonathan Smith on, I said, you know, you're going you're gonna to take some haymakers here. Like, I, I have no doubt that Michael Penix Jr. and, and uh, Adunze, Roma Adunze, are going to connect on, like, two plays of 50 yards or more. I, I think there's a real chance that Oregon State gives up some absolute haymaker, 77-yard touchdown pass, 55-yard touchdown pass. That that can happen to Oregon State. But what can happen is Oregon State cannot allow that or whatever that big play is to affect their next series, their next defensive series, the quarter as a whole. Because what Oregon State can do and has done when they are at Reeser Stadium better than most teams in America is they can run the ball and they can physically batter you. They physically abused Utah in that win. They beat Utah up. Washington didn't beat Utah up like that. And I got to say, Oregon didn't even beat Utah up like that. I was at both games. I'm telling you that Oregon State beat the crud out of Utah. And I saw Utah get Utahed, basically, at Racer Stadium. That you know, Oregon State leaves Racer Stadium. It's a different. It's a different equation. Like if this game's at, in Seattle at Husky Stadium, I think Washington wins by double digits. I think they'd win by ten or fourteen, but it's not. It's at Racer Stadium, and in the next two games, Oregon State's got Washington and Oregon. By far, the easier game is this home game against Washington. Uh, if I have to look ahead two weeks at the Civil War, I have a hard time picking Oregon State to win at Oregon. Right now, do you buy the new Washington running game? Dylan Johnson's ran no. for 360 yards the last two weeks. John 104 last week against Utah. I mean, over seven yards rush. Like you know, he he's been carrying the ball really well. Can that translate to Oregon State? Because I think you're right. The secondary for Oregon State is the weakness, but Washington has to run the ball at some point. Like they can't just throw it every single time. If you look at Washington this season, I think they're. I think they do you a favor if they try to run the ball too much. Like I think Oregon State would welcome that kind of game, but I think they got Utah at a at a point where Utah's be, just beat up. I mean, they're just physically beat up. You go back a week before it was USC, who I think Oregon State would put on roller skates if they were running the ball. Everybody's running the ball in USC. Everybody's running the ball in Colorado this year. Um, you know, I, I go back, though, and I look, you know, Washington beat Stanford 42-33. Oregon State beat Stanford 62 to, you know, to 14 or whatever that was, 62 to very little. Um, you know, Oregon State beat Utah 21-7. Washington beat them 35-28. You know, yeah, I, I don't, you know, Washington and Arizona, this is a road loss for the Beavers. It was a narrow road win, 31 31- 24 for Washington against Arizona. I I just think it's a really close game. No disrespect to Washington. What they have done to this point being undefeated is a is an accomplishment. Like you have to tip your cap to them being 10 and 0. That's remarkable. What do you think is more likely, a Washington blowout or an Oregon State blowout? I think if a team's going to win by double digits, I would say an Oregon State win by double digits at home. I, I just I think it, it, it there's a real chance here. It, and 
I don't want to say this with Anthony Gold on the line or Jonathan Smith on the line or Softy from KGR in Seattle on the line. I think there's a real chance that Oregon State looks at this game like it's their Super Bowl. It the, the, What comes next it doesn't matter as much for Oregon State. What comes, the possibility of getting to Vegas is not more important than this game. This is the last Pac-12 game. The whole country's watching. It's Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler on the call for ABC at 4.30. You, it's showtime. And Washington has had the game against Oregon that had that feel to it. It had the USC game and it had that feel to it. Last week's game with Utah had that feel to it. I just kind of wonder if Washington, you know, is you, if you're saying one of these teams is going to get blown out, that I wonder if Washington is a little weary. That's all. I want you to go to the website, bftauction.com, if you'd like to get involved in helping the kids of the Bald Face Truth Foundation. Uh, our annual auction will be closing in about 33 minutes, the online portion. So it's time to get in there, get your final bids in there. Um, Stephen, you've been looking at the auction lots. Do you have one in particular that's jumped out to you? I do, yeah. Uh, I think that Portland State, Boise State VIP sideline passes would be insanely fun. Um like, I've been around a lot of basketball in my life. You know, I've been around a lot of basketball players, NBA, college players. I've never really been around a lot of these Division One football players and how big and fast they actually are. And I think that would be amazing. And then having to be at Boise State on that blue turf. I've been to the blue turf before. I've seen it in person. It is a sight to see. Like, it is it is a different different type of thing. And then just hearing Bruce Barnum, like, on the station, you know, every single week, hearing his stories, like, I would love to see him up close and personal with the action just going on right in front of my face. I think that would just be such a fun time uh, to be on the field for that. I'm going to ask Judah his favorite as well, but I'm going to also point out, like, you talk about the VIP experiences. Oregon Ducks VIP women's basketball package. Um, Currently, the bid is $500, and for $500, you get four courtside tickets to an Oregon Ducks women's basketball regular season game This season, you get a backstage pass to the pregame chalk talk with Kelly Graves. You get to meet the team in the locker room and tour Matthew Knight Arena. And, um, you know, basically you get to go and see how this team prepares, what they're about. You get to meet them. This would be a great gift if you're somebody who knows a uh, young basketball fan. Uh, you go to bftauction.com. You can be the high bidder. There are 31 minutes left in the auction. You can be the high bidder at $500 there. Judah, do you have one that jumps out at you? You know, the uh, the Grant McComey uh, getaways, I don't know if those have been uh, auctioned off yet or not, but I'm always a big fan of Grant, and his appearance yesterday was fun. So uh, I'd be interested in uh, in that one for sure. Um, I would agree with the, uh, the sideline passes. How about the sideline passes up at the, the Palouse for uh, yeah. Portland State Wazoo, a place where Portland State has won before? Uh, <laughs> it would be, a, you know, there's it's an interesting schedule Wazoo's putting together. So um, I would like to be part of that uh, that experience next year. Yeah, you get to, get to go on the sideline during the game. The Grant McCombie one is really cool. Grant's getaways on KGW, um, you know, Ch- Channel Eight, the NBC affiliate in Portland, but basically. Two people get to go on a trip of their choice and get to accompany Grant McComey on one of his Grant's Getaways shoots. And it'll be filmed. It'll become part of the weekly program that airs on Saturdays on KGW. 
you get uh, Grant's book, Grant's Getaways 101, and the Guide to Wildlife Watching, and you just basically get to go on TV and be part of the episode and part of the story. And, like, you know, this is the kind of stuff that we try to auction off because we feel like it's really special. And so right now the high bid on that is $400. So you can jump in on that at bftauction.com. Also uh, on the board, the uh, the Shoemill VIP experience, perfect Christmas gift for somebody. The winner gets a private VIP shopping experience at Shoemill, locally owned and operated since 1978, six locations, Portland to Salem, premier shoe destination for men and women. But you get a private shoe fitting. At a location of your choice, the company president, Josh Hubbard, will be there with you. You get a $500 credit in the store. You get 15% off additional purchases. You can bring friends and family. You can make it like, you know, your own private VIP experience. Right now, the high bid there is $550. And here's one right now that's interesting. Courtside seats for the Trailblazers, two tickets to an agreed-upon Trailblazers home game this season. Courtside seats, Section 101. That's center court immediately behind the scorer's table where the players check into the game. The seats are owned by Blazers season ticket holder Harvey Platt. You will provide Harvey Platt with four options for the uses of the tickets. You can just say, these are the four games I want. He will give you the best seats in the house, get you close to the action, you can see into the team huddles. You can see, uh, you know, you get access to the courtside club, complimentary parking, private entrance into the arena, dedicated in-game concierge staff. You get, uh, it, you know, food and beverage service right at your seat. The buyer of this auction, Harvey's donated it for like a decade. The winning bidder is always thrilled. Like every year, the winning bidder is like, that was the greatest experience I, you know, Harvey's super easy to deal with. He's, you know, he's not going to hassle you. You just pick four games. He'll go, okay, here's, you know, you may get your top choice, but you get to sit in row one center court for a Blazers game this season. You can bid on that at bftauction.com, and we're down to 27 minutes left in the auction. So check out that and uh, and bid away. Steven, you got a second one? Like, you know, would you like to throw out the first pitch of the Hillsborough Hops game? Oh, I would. That? that would be awesome. Um, could you throw a strike? I mean, I would like to think I could. Uh, I think, but also, the good thing about that is, worst case scenario, you become viral, right? Like, the worst case scenario is you throw a bad pitch or something, and then you're famous on the internet for a day. So I mean, like it's a it's a no it's a no lose situation. It's high upside. Either you're going to throw a strike and it's going to look great, and you'll have you know video of it for the rest of your life, or you throw a terrible pitch and uh, you're famous on Twitter for a day, and you know everyone's making fun of you, but it's all in good fun. Like it's just you know throwing out a first pitch. So yeah, I think that would be uh, a lot of fun. I think um, I've done it. I've thrown out the first pitch at a hops game. It's exhilarating. Uh, I threw a strike. Yeah, I'm done with it. But here's where I see that coming into play. You, you get you get six tickets to the game. So the Hillsborough Hops basically bring you in like your VIP uh, royalty, and somebody in your grip gets to throw out the first pitch. Not everybody, but you pick one person. It would be an awesome gift to give to somebody who might be difficult to shop for. Do you have a parent? Do you have a sibling? Do you have a friend? Do you have a significant other who would just be jazzed at the idea that you're going to get to throw out the first pitch of the game? Or do you surprise them on game day? Hey, we're going to the game. Oh, by the way, you're throwing out the first pitch today. 
Get your arm ready. Like, I think it would be a really uh, really cool thing, a really great gift idea for somebody who uh, is interested in that. BFTauction.com, if you are uh, interested in uh, bidding on any of those items. There's a whole bunch more as well. And, uh, you know, obviously this, this goes to help uh, the kids of the BFT Foundation. There is a beach vacation home in Pacific City, two nights on the Oregon coast at the Pelican Villa uh, that is uh, donated by the Sanderson family. It sleeps 10 that is available. There's a guided fishing trip on the Willamette and Columbia River. There is uh, Blazers tickets against the Phoenix Suns. Get to see a uh, pretty good Phoenix basketball team coming to uh, Moda Center. And uh, there's uh, Blazers tickets against the Sacramento Kings, among the other VIP experiences. BFTauction.com if you are interested in any of that. All right, Stephen, we're going to pivot here in the next segment, and we're going to give our picks for the weekend. We're going to talk about the other Pac-12 games. Is Oregon in any jeopardy of play, being in a close game against Arizona State? Colorado-Washington State, both of those teams are in a terrible slide. That's a Friday night game. Colorado's lost four in a row. Washington State has lost six in a row. Who wins that game? We'll talk about it coming up. Plus, Utah's at Arizona. It's an elimination game. For the Pac-12 tournament or Pac-12 title game, uh, Pac-12 title game scenarios, Arizona has to beat Utah to stay in contention. Utah has to beat Arizona and also needs other help to stay in contention. Who wins that game? We'll talk about that coming up as well. For Oregon State fans, here's here's your scenarios for the Pac-12 title game. Oregon State has to beat Washington or both Utah beats Arizona, and Arizona State beats Oregon. So probably not likely that Arizona State's going to beat Oregon. I could see Utah beating Arizona. But Oregon State's got to beat Washington as part of that equation. For the Ducks, the Ducks could clinch a spot in the title game by beating Arizona State, and if Washington beats Oregon State, and Utah beats Arizona. So Oregon, uh, Oregon and Washington in control of their destiny, but Oregon State, Arizona, and Utah all still alive. If you'd like to make a donation to the BFT Foundation and help kids in the community, you can do so right now, 503-417-7575. Stephen and I are going to kick around the Pac-12 games coming up. Kenny Dillingham uh, teasing us. Is he teasing us? Teasing viewers, saying uh, to expect something uh, unique and interesting at the Oregon game. Uh, and uh, what are they going to do? What's Arizona State going to do this week? Uh, you'll find out on Saturday. Let's start with the Friday night game, though. Colorado is at Washington State. 7.30 kickoff Friday night on FS1. Both of these teams are in a slide. Colorado has lost four in a row. Washington State hasn't won since week four. They've lost six straight games. Biggest question for me in this game. Can Colorado's offensive line protect Shador Sanders against Washington State? Most sacked quarterback in college football, 45 sacks. I think some of that, though, is Shador holds the ball a little bit too long. I don't think he likes to throw incomplete passes. In fact, he's number 11 in completion percentage. So I think he holds the ball rather than throwing it away. I think he takes more sacks because of it. Second in the country in passing yards, 11th in completion percentage. Um, Shador's a sitting duck, though, because Colorado can't run the ball. They're averaging 2.3 yards per carry. 
They have rushed for only 699 yards as a team this year. Um, Washington State's not much better in the run game. 832 yards, three yards a carry. I think this game's going to have 80-plus combined passing attempts. Washington State's a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I think these teams are very even. But here's the difference maker for me. The road team in these Friday night games has trouble. It's a, it's a problematic game for the road team on a Friday night. It just is in the Pac-12. And so I'm going to take the team that's at home, even though they're in a six-game slide, to win the game. But I'll take Colorado in the four-and-a-half points. I'm going to split the baby here. Washington State wins, but Colorado in the points is the play. Steven. I mean, it, it, this is a tough one because both teams have looked bad the last few weeks. I'm going to take Colorado. I think Colorado wins the game outright. I, I think Washington State has kind of given up on the season, losing the six straight games. Yeah. Um, and the way Colorado played last week gave me a little bit of uh, you know positivity to them. I, I thought Arizona was going to go in and blow the doors off Colorado. That was a close game for you know the entire game. It was a one-score victory by Arizona. I liked the way Colorado played. I think that they still are going to be motivated to play enough, a little more than Washington State. So I'm going to take uh, Colorado plus the points and the win outright on the field. And Colorado, look, um, they win this game, they get to five. They have an opportunity, it's a tough game, in their final game of the season against Utah to get to six. Now, Pac-12 has a rule that says a team that finishes five and seven cannot play in a bowl game. I think there's going to be a bowl game that wants to pay for Colorado. Because there's going to be a TV network that wants Colorado in a bowl game. So I'm, I'm expecting this. I think Colorado's going to go to a bowl game, but I think they're only going to go with maybe five wins. And this becomes the game that gets them there if they can win it. So I think it's a big one uh, for Colorado. That's the Friday night game, though. And, it, it, you know, I don't, like e- I don't like either one of those teams right now, given how uh, they have played. But I'll take Colorado in four and a half. But Washington State wins in a, a 31-30 game. Uh, Utah's at Arizona Saturday morning, 11.30, Pac-12 Networks. This is an elimination game for the Pac-12 uh, Conference Championship uh, picture. Wildcats are having fun, but they'll need to beat Utah to stay alive here, and Utah needs a win. Now, I love that this game is kicking off early, and here's why. It eliminates scoreboard watching, because if otherwise you have Arizona and Utah looking at the scoreboard to see what happens with Oregon ASU and Washington, Oregon State, to determine if they even have a chance to play in the conference championship game. So this game is early on the Pac-12 network for that reason. Utah lost three games this year. The troubles for Utah are all at the quarterback position and the injuries there. But look at the three teams that beat Utah. It was Oregon State at home, it was Oregon, and it was Washington. I think Utah's the next best team in the conference after that group. I think they're response-driven. I looked something up today as I was making this pick. Utah's record after a loss in the last three seasons, so since 2020, since the pandemic, when Utah loses a game, they come back in the next game. They not only win, they went 8-2 and two in games after losses, they win by more than eight points over the spread. So they're beating the spread by more than a touchdown coming off a loss. Arizona's a one-point favorite. I think Utah's going to win the game outright. 
Last week, I loved Arizona. I thought they were going to win this game, but last week spooks me a lot against Colorado. They, they just didn't play well. I mean, winning by three points at Colorado, they should have won by a lot more. But I'm going to stick with it. I think Arizona gets the win. I think being at home is a key there. Uh, you know, Arizona looked really good against the Oregon State team at home in Tucson. I think they can do the same thing against the Utah team who has struggled to score the football uh, with Bryson Barnes at quarterback. I think Arizona makes things real interesting in the Pac-12 race as they'll only have two losses in the conference. Yeah. I think they get the win. Uh, I think it's going to be a real close game, real tight game, but I think Arizona shows out and uh, Jed Fish gets to 8-3. and three. Wow. If Arizona wins the game, it creates uh, creates some issues going into the final week of the season. And Arizona and Arizona State will play in the last week. Oregon State will play Oregon. And Washington has the Apple Cup against Washington State. But it would mean that Arizona and Oregon State and Oregon and Washington would be competing for two spots, potentially uh, entering the last week of the uh, of the season. So we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, let's go to the game that is at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, 1230 Saturday, ABC. Caleb Williams in USC. Maybe Caleb Williams' final game at quarterback for USC. Who knows? Uh, UCLA. Chip Kelly got some uh, got some stuff swirling overhead about his job. His athletic director, Martin Jarmond, I talked about this yesterday. They're not on great terms. Here is Chip Kelly, 33-33 and 33, all-time at UCLA. He's a six-and-a-half-point underdog. I think USC is just going to be too much on offense for UCLA, particularly because I think this is Caleb Williams' swan song. And I think uh, USC really shows up to play. They've got a uh, bye in the final week of the season. And I think this is Caleb Williams in USC's day. I think they win it by 14. I just I cannot trust USC to win by margin in any game this year. <laughs> th- th- that defense is just not good for good for John. Like They're going to give up points. I know UCLA's offense has been horrific this season, but USC's defense has been worse. And, you know, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. It may be Shirley. It may be Garbers. It may be Dante Moore. I have no idea. But I do think that UCLA will be able to score some points. And that UCLA defense is really good. I, I think they'll slow down USC just enough. I'm going to take the 6.5. I'm not going to be surprised if UCLA wins the game on the field. I'll take USC uh, to wow. win the game by 3. But I'm going to take the points in 6.5. I just don't like UCLA's offense in the last couple of weeks. But, but do you we'll like say- USC's defense? I mean, uh, you know. I mean, what's, <laughs> I mean, honestly, what's worse? The UCLA I, offense or USC defense? I just I and here's another thing. Like if UCLA's players love Chip Kelly and want to play for him, they're going to show up and they're going to they'll play. But we're going to find out. Like cuz you know, with all those reports out there about the athletic director wants him out, the boosters want him out. If he beats USC, they can't fire him. So, it, this is a this is a really interesting game for his future and for Caleb Williams. Uh Arizona uh, Arizona State is at home. Against Oregon, 1 o'clock Saturday on Fox. Stan Lanning, Kenny Dillingham, the two youngest coaches in the Pac-12. Some fun storylines here. Uh, last week, uh, as you as Kenny Dillingham mentioned, Arizona State employed the swinging gate on offense. They beat UCLA 17-7. Uh, basically, if you don't know the swinging gate, they lined up the entire offensive line with the exception of the center on one side of the field. That made UCLA had to move all of their defensive linemen over, and it left Arizona State's quarterback and center and a running back virtually unprotected, but playing like a three-on or a four-on-four game in the middle of the field. They put two receivers on the other side. Now Kenny Dillingham put a tight end at quarterback at one point and had him just run the ball, 
And it was a really interesting tactic, and Arizona State won the game. But So I won't be surprised if Dillingham does something squirrely in this game. But Oregon's favored by 23-and-a-half. I'm banking on the fact that Dan Lanning's not here to embarrass Kenny Dillingham. So I'm going to take Arizona State in 23-and-a-half, but I think it's something like 35-14 Oregon. And we, uh, we're thinking differently this week because I, I think Oregon's going to win win by a lot. I, I'm with you that I think it could be a case where Dan Lanning does not want to run up the score on Kenny Dillingham. But I also think there's a part of me that says Oregon is just way too good for Arizona State. And even though they won't run it up the score, they can get 35 real quick in the first half. And I'm not sure how much Arizona State, even with all the gimmicky offense stuff, is that going to work against an elite defense in Oregon? I don't know yet. I don't think so. I think Oregon wins and covers this game. Cows at Stanford, big game, the 127th playing of the big game. Bears need a win to stay in the hunt for a bowl game. They're 4-6. and six. Stanford can't make a bowl. They've got only three wins. I think Cal's a little better. Cal's favored by 6.5. I like what we've seen from Troy Taylor, the Stanford coach. I think you know he's, he's got some, something to build on at Stanford. But I'll take Cal. I think they cover the six and a half. I just think they're better on offense, and I think they'll outscore Stanford. I agree. Uh, I love Troy Taylor as a coach, but I'm with you. Cal four and six. They still have a shot at a bowl game and a legit shot because they play UCLA next week. That's that's not that's a winnable game for Cal, and I think Wilcox can get the guys going up. That Cal offense has been really good uh, in Pac-12 play, so I think they'll be able to outscore Stanford. You know, um, the home field advantage is nothing for Stanford, so I think I'm with you. I like Cal to win this game, and I like him to win by uh, double digits. Washington at Oregon State, 4.30 Saturday, ABC. I've already weighed in here. I think Oregon State, um, home favorite. Last Pac-12 game as we know it at Research Stadium. Standing room only crowd. Uh, I just think this one's got Oregon State written all over it. The line is two and a half. I agree with you, Stephen. If that grows in it, you start to think really hard about Washington and points. But I think Oregon State wins this game, and that's what people care about right now. I think Oregon State is going to beat Washington. I think they're going to give them their first loss of the season, and I think it's going to set up a civil war for the ages. I, I like Oregon State 34-31 over the Huskies. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, if it gets to three, it'll be different, but it's two and a half. So at that point, I have to take Oregon State. I think they win. I think being at home is the big difference maker. And Oregon State has the team to slow Washington down, and that's by running the football offensively successfully and getting first downs at 8 o'clock. I think Jonathan Smith knows that. I think the, uh, the Trent Bray will be able to stop or Washington just enough. I think Oregon State wins. It's a real close game, but I think Oregon State does get the win. How about the rain and wind in the forecast for Saturday? I mean, I think that helps the Beavers. It reminds me of last year's game at Husky Stadium. It was really windy. Oregon State was on the field before the game. They they were punting, and the ball was flying all over the stadium. It was just really wonky. Um, look, for those of you out there that want to get in on the BFTAuction.com items, right now there is six minutes left in the online auction portion of uh, the festivities. Go to BFTAuction.com. You can bid on those auction items. It closes in five minutes now. So jump on it if you want to help out, if you want to win any of those auction items, you want to check them out, share them with friends, it's time to act. BFTAuction.com, that's the place to go. The 5 at 5 is coming up. Anna's going to do it, uh, and uh, she's going to give us her five biggest stories. All of that's still ahead. Go to BFTAuctions.com, though, if you want to get in on the action. Well, we've got about ten minutes left in the fundraiser for the bald face truth foundation 
you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can call in right now. Every $50 you give, $25 gift card from Shoe Mill Shoe Stores. You like to make a donation? Our volunteers are standing by right now at 503-417-7575. We do have one pair of Blazers Denver Nuggets tickets. Game on March 23rd of this season. Center Court Row P. I have two tickets. Right now you jump onto StubHub. The tickets would cost you about $300 each. I'm going to say the first person to give a $300 donation gets them both. First caller. Do not wait. They will go. First caller to make a $300 donation gets both tickets. Section 112 Row P. That is Center Court, Moda Center, 100 level, Row P. 503-417-7575. Anna's in the studio. Anna was at a career fair today. What was it? What was it? I was just talking to journalism students. Is it a career fair? No. What's the, What was the school? Where'd you go? Mount Hood Community College. You were out at the community college? Yep. I was a community college kid. Mm-hmm. We never had some TV news lady come out and talk to us. I would have signed <laughs> right up. You know? So who? what class? What was the class? And what was the message? It was like a multimedia class. And I think overall my message is journalism is important and it's necessary and we need good journalists and uh you know i felt i like it i like talking to kids about it and i appreciated the kids that stopped me afterwards and said hey they was really inspiring i'm interested in it i wasn't as interested in it before let's talk further i like that yeah you inspired some young people it made me feel good I love good that. on you all right uh you want to teach now no couldn't do it really no no not even at a community college uh, Where you get students who are probably more engaged in I being there? I don't have that Not for you? Patience. I'll okay. mentor. I'll mentor you, but I don't want to teach in an official class. I don't want you to mentor me. That's you know. That's just a different skill set, and God bless the teachers of the world, because I couldn't do it. All right. Here we go. We're going to give you the, uh, the five at five. It is the five biggest stories going on in sports. The five at five. Number one. There it is. Uh, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan accept a three-game suspension from the Big Ten. The league ends its sign-stealing investigation. This was just 24 hours before they were set to meet in court and have a little chat about all this. But Michigan does remain under investigation by the NCAA for allegedly stealing signs in an illegal fashion. So everybody's saying, good job. Thanks for resolving this. Coach Harbaugh's not going to be on the sidelines for the next three games. Well, uh, two separate three-game suspensions for Harbaugh in one season. And uh, probably wants this all behind him because he's got a team that uh, is trying to compete for a college football playoff berth. Do you think he'll be giving his team secret signs from somewhere else? Three-game suspension. Does that mean he misses the Ohio State-Michigan game? That's two weeks from now, I think. He'll maybe miss the rest of the regular, regular season. Regular season, yeah. He's going to miss that game. That gives him an excuse. Number two. Uh, 
Well, the Oakland A's move to Las Vegas has been approved by Major League Baseball's owners in a unanimous vote, so they're one step closer now. This is all just, uh, you know, the icing on the cake. I I saw a story today, John Fisher, the A's owner, who said that this has been harder on him than it has been on fans. (laughs) Just making friends. It's a guy who's born into the family that owns the Gap Company, the Gap at the mall. You know, second to Auntie Annie's Pretzels is uh, one of my favorite places to pop into. Uh, but John Fisher saying this has been harder on him than fans. This is a guy born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Tone deaf. Stop. Number three. So Las Vegas has been touting this Formula One Grand Prix race through the strip. And uh, it sounds like this thing's going to be kind of a dud. Prices for the tickets have dropped by nearly 60%. Uh, I don't think this is going to go off very well. And you've got, you know, important drivers like Max Verstappen who are saying that they're not all excited about this race. He just wasn't impressed with any of this hoopla. The fire, remember the fire festival? Hoopla. Remember the fire festival where that guy was putting on the uh, concert in the middle of the desert and ended up being a big fiasco? It's kind of what the F1 race in uh, Vegas is about. People in Vegas are upset. They're like draining the the water features in front of the Venetian and the in uh, Bellagio. They're draining all the water out, putting stands in. They're they're cutting down oh. trees on the strip. What? Well, they had to make room for the stands. <laughs> And, and then all of the casinos are going crazy with all of these accommodations and packages. And then it turns out nobody's really coming to this thing. It's the fire Festival. Well, you can go at a discount. Sounds like it's going to be a good deal. Get on like a $9 spirit flight. If, yeah, if I loved. But those spirit flights are not $9. They just say they're $9. Then they charge you for water. They charge you to have a seat. They charge you to bring a bag on. They charge you to breathe. You know? Well, it's a $9 yeah. flight. If you want water, you Number four. What in the world happened to Kelly Oubre Jr.? This is the strangest story. So he claims he was struck by a vehicle over the weekend. This is a Philadelphia 76er. He claims it was a hit and run outside of his uh, residence in Philadelphia on Saturday and that he had a broken rib and injuries and he went to the hospital. Well, there's no surveillance video that confirms that this happened. Investigators are struggling to, like, find actual evidence that he was hit by a car. Um, But now there's video that, I mean, TMZ's got it. It presumably was shared by Ubre himself and his family because it shows him entering his apartment, like on a ring cam, you know, disoriented and wincing in pain. All right, he's coming into his apartment. Let's let's go with the facts, okay? Mm. I I used to read these Encyclopedia Brown books when I was a kid. Yeah. I lo- this is an Encyclopedia Brown book. Okay. Okay. We got Kelly Oubre with a rib fracture that will likely keep him from playing for the Sixers for about a month. He says he was struck by a motorist on Saturday night by walk when he was walking near his home, and uh, he's taken by an ambulance crew to the hospital, treated and released. Got injuries to his hip and his right leg. All well and good. But all we really know is 
he went to the hospital, and when he went home, his ring doorbell footage showing him entering his apartment didn't look right. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that he did something that he wasn't supposed to do that would not be covered by his contract? And did he get in a fight? Did he jump off a small uh, second-story balcony? <laughs> did he? Uh, you know what I mean? This I is a weird story. The Internet's losing its mind over I this know. thing. It's a little weird. Like, the background of the video, you can hear his wife calling 911 saying he's been hit by a vehicle. Did she he's, witness it? I don't know. I don't think so. But, it, like, he says specifically where this happened, like 15th and Spruce Street in Philadelphia. Wouldn't, wouldn't there be video, though? That's what I'm saying. So the investigators are having a hard time finding any surveillance video to support the claim. And they've they've acquired surveillance video from that intersection during the time that Oubre claims that this happened. But, like, he also went to the hospital and was treated for injuries. He had a, another weird story involving him few years ago he claimed his ex-girlfriend tried to extort him out of three million dollars he's with the warriors at the time and he he filed this lawsuit and he said that his ex-girlfriend had demanded three million dollars or she was going to go public with some claims saying he was engaged in criminal conduct and yada 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 but um i don't know i guess we'll see what happens steven do you know you have any uh intel on this guy uh, I have no intel on this case at all, but uh, I do know Kelly Oubre. He's a different, uh, different characters, different cats. So I wouldn't surprise me anyway what's happening. Number five. Uh, elevating sports reporting to another level, Fox Sports' Carissa Thompson says she used to make up sideline reports. She would just blatantly lie, she says, about what coaches said during the sideline reports because sometimes the coach wouldn't come out or was too late. And she, you know, wouldn't want to screw up the report. So she would just make stuff up that was generic and that they wouldn't come after her for in the future. That's terrible. Yeah. How about that? That's That, that erodes confidence in uh, all sideline reporters. Mm-hmm. Wish she hadn't done that. I mean, I wish she hadn't made up stuff. <laughs> you can't do that. I'm glad that she's coming clean, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has uh, helped out and participated in the... Uh, BFT Foundation, uh, Radiothon, and Auction. You can go to baldfacetruth.org if you still want to get involved.